Hello and welcome to another edition of Back of the Grid. I'm your host, Stu, and I'm joined as always by Tom. Hello. And by Chris. Hi. Hello. And we're here today to talk about the upcoming Mexican Grand Prix. Um, very exciting. Sergio Perez, home turf. Big weekend for him. But um, Chris has got some new before we get into all that, Chris has got some news for us. So shall we uh shall we do that first? Newsy bits. Yes. Um we've got a sort of another bit of info on sprint races next season, potentially. Um, Ross Braun has had some stuff to say on it. The The six races I were talking about before sounds like it's what's going to happen. They've got an agreement in principle with all the teams to have up to six sprint races next season. Uh, Ross claims that every promoter on the calendar wants to have a sprint race at their event. Right. Don't, know, don't, know, don't know about all of them, but... I, you can see why promoters would want well, it. Like it's no the term sprint race and not sprint qualifying. We'll get there. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> okay. Uh, you can't blame the promoters for wanting them at their events. Like as I said yeah. before, it's it's three days of eyeballs rather than sort of two and a few other people on the Friday kind of thing. Because yeah. as much as we all watch Fridays, it's um, we're in the minority. I don't think the your average on the street F1 viewer is tuning in for free practice on Friday, yeah. but I don't really. I mean, I have Fridays on, like I'll put it on in the background, but I'm yeah. not watching. Watching, do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just there. It's like when you have a test match on, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's just there. It's, it's it's playing while you're doing other things, while you're doing your work or while you're doing whatever. So you say the whole having a job thing tends to get in the way slightly. Yeah, there is that. There is also talk. With them having six sprint races, them having some kind of sprint champion come the end of the season, um, I'd be very surprised if said sprint champion isn't also just the champion, or at least whoever came second in the championship, because that's how things tend to uh, yeah. have gone. But just seems, I mean, it's just a. No, I don't care. <laughs> it's another thing that can. It's another thing that can be sponsored, isn't it? At the end of the day, yeah, that's literally all it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sprint champion sponsored by Crypto. dot com or whoever. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> he interestingly, because um, obviously until now everything we've heard, especially from uh, Stefano, has been very like everyone loves sprint racing. Sprint races are great. It's actually sprint qualifying, yeah. but everyone loves it. Whereas Bros Braun actually has admitted that having the starting grid for the Grand Prix not decided by the traditional qualifying session is something that hasn't been particularly popular from sort of any corners of the viewership and that returning to just having a a qualifying session set the grid for the Grand Prix uh, sort of being the norm, even though that qualifying will happen on Friday, not the Saturday still having the fastest in qualifying is pole position on the grid for the Grand Prix, which I think is, I think it makes sense. I don't think anyone would have a real issue with that. No, I don't. Yeah. I, my only concern is that qualifying will fall away into the abyss because qualifying is like a real event. Like it's a really important part of the race weekend. And I, I worry that people will miss it because of things like jobs and other responsibilities that, happen, yeah. that occur in a weekday. But I guess like you can all being only an hour, you could always catch up with the highlights kind of thing. It's yeah, not, it's, it's not the sort of thing that you necessarily need to see live. Although seeing it live 
in a season like this year's season is actually, it's a big part of the story. It was the same in 2009 when you mm. just did not know who was going to be on pole position. It's the same now. And I think if it's sort of pushed back into just always on Fridays, then that sort of spoils the, it just spoils the, 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 the spectacle of it a little bit for me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, on the TV front, if you're here in Britain, half the viewership's used to that anyway, watching it on highlights after the event. That's true. Because yeah, the true. terrestrial version of mm. the broadcast is like a few hours after the event's finished. I think well, Sky even get they... dibs on a rerun before they're allowed to show highlights. But, on you know, how many people are just... It's 2021. How many people are just, people are just streaming it anyway? Well, yeah. I mean, people find their ways. <laughs> there's exactly. always like, ways. people do people always do, of course people i mean there's people subscribing to f1 tv in this country who are using <laughs> you know vpns to to access it kind of thing so no, i'm not one which of we my, do not wholly endorse whatsoever no no of course like it's not it's not a thing <laughs> that you should do um but you know at least those people are paying for it that's the thing like if, if, you, yeah. if you are using a vpn and you are accessing f1 tv through through you know the proper legal means then you know I don't really see a problem with that. I had um, one of the um, F one F one fan survey <laughs> things emailed last week, I think it was, and it was all about F one TV, and the whole thing was like, "This is all the awesome features that F one TV Pro has." Uh, do, are you a subscriber? It's like, no. Are you, are you likely to be in the future? No. Mm. Why not? I literally can't. I don't know why you're asking me these questions. Yeah. I don't have access to it. <laughs> Uh, what else? So did... common sense has prevailed. They're, they're actually calling it a sprint race and not a sprint qualifying. Yeah, that'll help. Yes. Yeah, so the the, <laughs> the the quote I saw from Ross Braun was, "We all call it a race. It walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck." <laughs> Which yeah. Mm. Oh. I mean, it it just is. It's they they tried to force the, their naming of it, and it just no one was ever going to play wait, ball. Wait, what is it? Is it a race or a duck? No, it's it's a sprint duck now. A sprint duck, yeah. <laughs> That's what it is now. Sprint duck confirmed. Yeah, we'll be no. Let's not be puerile. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? That's the entire basis of this show is being yeah, puerile about news or it to be Let's one. be stupid for an hour every Monday night. Because um, to, to go back to like the the val- relative value of qualifying, like having these sprint races be qualifying did massively devalue the actual qualifying session. I thought. Yeah. Two, yeah. You know, and again, it's only two we've had so far. So let's we can't make too many sweeping statements. And they've also said they're not going to make any of these decisions for sure after, until we've had the third one in Brazil in a few weeks' time. Um, mm. Not even a few weeks. I is cannot it? like see. I cannot see sprint qualifying making a blind bit of difference at that circuit. I mean, you can overtake there. I think if if the only way people are overtaking in that short space of time with no tire strategy and no real difference mm. in in anything on circuit is if people qualify out of position then it'll be an opportunity obviously to move forward a little bit yeah what could be good is if we end up having wet qualifying and dry sprint race or vice versa that would sort of spice things up a bit and probably add some excitement but yeah I think just going back to one of Stu's points before about like where thing where overtaking can happen in a sprint race. I mean, I'm hoping that 
the cars next year with the new era will be able to follow each other good enough that it doesn't matter that it's only a one-third distance. You, you've still got people being able to follow each other close enough to, to make moves in the breaking zone. That's a... This is very fact, true. At least. So yeah. I, I think it that, will very much depend on how well that that plan for the for the aero plays out. Mm-hmm. It? I, I I just think I think even even when you've got the root cause of the problem is the fact that you've got the fastest car at the front. You know, you do qualifying yeah. and then the fastest car goes at the front. So really I think like and there there has been a bit of talk of this as well and I think still, and we've mentioned it multiple times, goodness knows how many times on this podcast, and you know what I'm about to say, and it's not if Red Bull win the championship. <laughs> it's if you, you're more likely to get better action if you have some sort of reverse grid set up because you're going to have car, then you're going to have car, you're guaranteeing that cars will be out of position. The faster mm-hmm. cars will yeah. be not at the front. So... To me, the whole thing, the whole point of having these sprint races is to do something a little bit different and do something a little bit more interesting and make it a bit more exciting. And I think having a mini race that's just the same as a normal race isn't enough. I think it needs to be, it needs to have something extra to to make it interesting. And for me, the the current configuration of sprint sprint qualifying, it definitely isn't, isn't that. Um, and what they're proposing next year currently, which is they're kind of, they're addressing the wrong things. Like no one really cares about how many points they get at the end of, at the end of a sprint race. I think not as much as they do seeing action on track. Mm -hmm. I think what people want to see is cars overtaking other cars. I think if you did the sprint races with a reverse championship grid, for example, to give the really struggling teams at the back the opportunity to make even a small amount of points that spices up that championship you know that spices up the 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 tail end of the field and it makes that much much more interesting than just watching Haas go around at the back for an entire season and guaranteed to not get a single point yeah well, the the interesting thing with these comments is that he's obviously said that they're considering making the Grand Prix grid be set by qualifying, but then that immediately begs the question: Well, how do you set the grid for the sprint race? So, yeah, it almost sounds like that reverse grid door that was previously slammed shut is maybe being opened a crack again. Yeah, well, he's mentioned it. He has said, yeah, he's you know he has come out and said we're, we're thinking about reverse grid races. Um, I think it's the that's that's how you make sprint races interesting for me. Is that you need cars out of out of position. You can't just have a, an abridged version of the race. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. The cliff notes like, version who, of the race. Yeah, yeah. Like who wants to see that? It's basically a race without pit. It's, it's the race without pit stop. Still, if you're just having it as a regular grid. Yeah. Or, so, or is that that whole? Um extended red flag kind of scenario that yeah, we've talked exactly. about in the past where I mean yeah. that that will be slightly different I guess because they're saying qualifying will set the race uh, sorry the grid for Grand Prix and something different will set mm. the, the grid for the sprint which 
which should hopefully give us a nice change between the two. But I do think it does want to be some sort of reverse, whether it's like, I don't know. It, it needs to be a way that the teams can't tamper with it because if you did something like mm. reverse practice time, for example, teams are just going to tank a practice session so they can get to the front. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it has to be championship. It, it has, has to, be championship. to be, yeah. Something that they're not willing to risk tanking in order yeah. to get to the front of the sprint race, basically. Yeah, they're not going to... No one, no one in... in up and down that field, not a single driver or team is going to sacrifice points ever. No. Or even even for the teams not scoring points, like championship positions, like financially makes a huge difference. Exactly. Yeah. And that and the thing is, like that then adds real gravity to sprint races as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And my other sort of my other issue here as well is sort of he's so Ross Braun's already, you know, I think I can understand why Stefano's been saying everyone loves sprint races, everyone loves sprint races, this, that, and the other, because we haven't actually had the final sprint race of the season yet. And there's no plans to, they can't just change all the rules. They can't just make it so that this one doesn't follow the same format as the previous no. two. Yeah, exactly. Yet, Ross Braun has come out and said, well, it's obviously not working, but we're about to have another one knowing full well that they're not working. Well,. Mm. <laughs> To that point, though, like the whole idea of doing the three this season was to try it out. So would it not have made sense to maybe try three different versions of it? Like, what's the point of trying something yeah. three yeah. times in exactly the same way? It's a bit... But the, the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing <laughs> exactly. and expecting a different result. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Uh, the The last little bit on that, I mean, Stu's already said that no one's interested in it, so I'll barely mention it, but uh, they are also considering giving more points for sprint races, uh, potentially up to a third of a Grand Prix points as it's a third distance to hopefully encourage encourage more racing, basically. Like, at the moment, there's yeah. not really, you know, if you're ninth, there's not really a ton of reason for you to risk anything going for eighth, whereas if it's yeah. worth... That being said, how they're going to split the one point for tenth into a third? If we start having third points yeah. on the table, then no, no thank, thank you. you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just just to clarify my point on that, like I'm not necessarily I'm not saying that people don't want to see people no, aren't interested in seeing points being awarded. Like my my point is they're not too fussed on the specific number of points that are awarded it's, as long it's, as it's yeah. within reason. Of all the things to work on, that's. Not yeah, that that's not the, the, the issue. List. Yeah, the issue isn't the number of points being awarded. Yeah, the exactly. issue is the format of the race and, and what's yeah. happening on track. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't care if the top, if, if it just goes 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 down the top 10. But I don't, and I, I also don't care if it's, it's if it's half points. What I don't want is for it to be full Grand Prix points because it shouldn't. No, be. definitely, I think it definitely shouldn't. I think be. You, you know you don't need me to say it, it shouldn't be full Grand Prix points. You don't need to be a rocket science to figure out scientist to figure out that a half distance or shortened distance race shouldn't award full points. Yeah, um, we learned that in Belgium this year. Didn't we? <laughs> um, so. There's definitely, I think there is common sense like starting to emerge, the green shoots of common sense. I just hope like they don't go down the sort of, they they get spooked easy. And I think they read a lot of Reddit as well. Yeah. And they just need to have a bit of conviction, like make a decision, decide what they want to yeah. do. 
stick with it and be confident for once, be confident mm. about their ideas. And if they can do that and get behind their own ideas and say, this is how we're going to do it to all the teams. This is how we're going to do it. Not saying we're going to try it out. We're going to see what happens. Just say, we've got six races. They're all going to be reverse grids. You're going to get 10 points for the, the top five, say, are going to get points. Um, it'll be five points down to one point and it'll be at these races. Enjoy. Yeah, basically. <laughs> That's literally all Pretty it needs much. to be. Instead of all this sort of dancing around, like trying to make everyone happy and all this, it's, you know, Formula One's not about making everyone happy. It's a meritocracy. To get the points, you have to be the best. So if you're that good, it shouldn't matter where you are. You should be confident that you're going to be able to finish in the points. Mm-hmm. It's the same yeah. rules for every every race is the same rules for everyone. It's not like anyone's got a specific advantage out of this. It's yeah. just, you know, the real championship contenders would still be winning the big points on 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 a Sunday. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Paul Paul's made a point in chat that I, I was going to say something similar. Where he, he said use the old top six point system, either that or. There was a time where we had points for the top eight, wasn't there? Like early two thousands yeah. to late two thousands, where it was like second like, place became eight points, I think. And yeah, it was like twelve. Then the eight. sixth dropped down. Yeah. It was, it was te- basically went down in in twos almost. Mm-hmm. But like you sort of you had a different point system there where they expanded the the top six down to the top eight. Um, and then obviously we ended up with the point system right now with the twenty five first. Yeah. So, Something like either that top eight or top six system that was used from like the nineties until the end of the noughties. Top eight of those feels would work. like a good sort of middle ground to it. Yeah, and you don't get weird like half numbers then yeah. when you start trying to divide the current point system Nobody by three. Yeah, but but even then, you know, let's not let's not get hung up on on the points thing because the points thing isn't yeah. what we're here for. We're here to see cars. We're here to see action on track, right? That's mm-hmm. that's the most important thing. So. Yeah. Don't, you know, it's, this is not a problem that we really need to solve. The problem that we need to solve is getting cars into positions on track where action happens. Yeah, we want to watch cars having good racing and the racing means something. Yeah, exactly yeah. that. Yeah. So hopefully hopefully that'll happen in the next... Hopefully they'll figure it out. Hopefully. They'll what, hopefully they'll do what we say. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be Just nice yeah, right. <laughs> uh, last little interesting tidbit from Ross Braun was that the Q2 tyre rule uh, is potentially going to be dropped for next season. Um, so the Q2 tyre rule being that if you progress from Q2 to Q3, so if you qualify in the top 10, essentially, you have to start the race on the tyres that you set your fastest lap on in Q2. Um, and we've sort of talked about it before that that rule doesn't really serve the purpose it was designed for anymore. And actually it's given an advantage to the faster teams these days. So I think that is common sense prevailing. And they've kind of already started doing it because the sprint race weekends, you don't have that rule, do you? So yeah, they've already kind of semi done that. And I wouldn't say that made a particular difference to things, did it? Like, it basically meant everybody started on the same tire at the start of the race. You didn't really get as much of a mix up. 
But then yeah. again, so why? Where was that one? What, was that that was? Remind me, that was during we had refueling at the time that was introduced, didn't um, we? I can't remember if it goes that far no, back or the, not. The Q the Q two rule. Yeah, yeah. The Q. I oh know it was parade. No, no, it was to do the Q the Q two tire rule was to do with people not going out in sessions to set lap times because they were trying to save tires for later sessions and stuff like that. And it was the the way that the way that they changed it was because it used to be your tires from Q three were the ones you started on, yeah. And they changed oh, it, they yeah. changed yeah. it because the top teams were um, they were playing around with because we can be faster on different compounds. They were they were basically playing around with all that kind of scenario. Um, and I think there was an element of um. We don't necessarily want to start the race on the fastest tire, so it kind of it made Q three a proper shootout because if you wanted to start the race on a harder compound of tire, you could do that in Q two, get through safely, and then have a proper shootout of a pull. And it, it was all to do with that a few yeah. years ago. The, the, yeah, the whole the whole point was that they wanted them pushing absolute maximum. Yeah, on, they, they didn't want to be penalising the top ten for exactly. being in Q three, yeah. right? It was a combination of that, and then the the fact that like cars weren't running to the full potential mm-hmm. in like lower sessions to save tires. So what's going well. to happen? Is it going to be that the the teams can just start on whatever tires? Everyone can start on whatever tires they want. At the start Basically, yeah, that's what it sounds yeah. like. Um, I quite like that. Yeah, because yeah. the the problem is these days, the the fastest teams can get through Q two because because it's often the case these days that starting the race on the soft tire actually isn't the favoured strategy. So it means the faster teams actually end up starting on the favoured tire and they're starting at the front. Whereas you yeah. kind of midfield yeah. teams, if they want any hope of getting through to Q three, they have to put softs on, which obviously then compromises them for the race. So. I think I think it's common sense they get rid of that because it's just not doing what it was supposed to do anymore. They never did it ever do. Did it ever do? What it well, was there was to probably a really brief window of like a season or two when it did, but even then, not not to the extent they probably wanted to. Yeah, and there's, mm. there's that whole element of um, teams like midfield teams actually not intentionally aiming for eleventh, but actually having more of an advantage yeah, qualifying eleventh yeah. because of the whole. They can start on whatever tire they want, mm-hmm. and the car ahead of them in tenth that's pushed to get into Q three and wouldn't necessarily normally be there has got to start on tires that are maybe less yeah. favourable. So well, like yeah. George Russell, when George Russell qualifies, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, eleventh yeah. is definitely a favor- more favourable position than like ninth or tenth, I would say. Yeah, maybe yeah. even eighth. Uh, let's let's move on to some non Ross Braun related news. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the the Jeddah Street Circuit for the Saudi Grand Prix, which is five weeks away, less than five weeks away, in fact. Now, I don't know if you guys saw the photos of it that popped up in <laughs> yeah. the last week, but it doesn't look like a circuit that's going to be ready to host a race in five weeks. Well, I think it's I, fair I, to I, say. Yeah, I was in pictures of a street circuit. I've seen pictures of a building site mm. that they're claiming is a street circuit. Yes. Uh, so the team there are saying there's extraordinary progress being made completely on time. They, yeah. from, from beginning construction to the race happening, they've had eight months to do it. For reference, Bahrain from scratch took 16 months to be ready and Abu Dhabi took 18 months to be ready. So they are really up against mm, it. Well, yeah, but they were completely new facilities built in the middle of the desert, whereas Jeddah Street I mean, Circuit is a 
mostly a street circuit, right? They're building new tarmac for a lot of it, but still... Like, yeah, but the whole cockpit complex right, right. is still a concrete skeleton. Yeah, concrete but, uh, yeah, but that, that, that'll get built up in no time. Really, yeah, I... Like, as, as much as this is all quite scaremongery, sort of news-wise, I actually do think they'll have it ready on time. Um, I think what, what what's the bigger worry is... We've seen on plenty of occasions in the past what happens when the track surface is finished like a week Ooh. or two before the Grand Prix is ready. Like historically, yeah, the same thing happened in um, the South Korean circuit was the same thing. The yeah. first race there was a bit of a mess. So that on a very fast street circuit with not much runoff is potentially not ideal. Um an interesting little tidbit I saw in all of this is some of the quote-unquote street circuit is actually brand new roads they're building, but they're not going to become actual roads that normal traffic can drive on until after they've had their second race there in March. Mm. So they are technically streets, but the first cars to ever drive on them will be Formula One cars, <laughs> which is... That's funny. Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean... You know, I'm sure they'll do it. I think my 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 only real and this is like the the probably the more serious concern about it is just the condition. If it, they're they're so up against it. Yeah. You just worry about the conditions under which yeah. like, the people working on it are working under. Like you you don't want mm-hmm. you know this sport to be going to a place. I mean, let's let's face it; they don't have the best human rights record anyway, do they? So it's it's concerning that they they appear to be not quite ready yet with not long to go and yeah like you know just you just worry about the people doing it don't you yeah it's yeah. like we'll, we'll get it ready but at what cost sort of thing yeah 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 um so f1 really needs to be like careful about like it's know, yeah it's it's all pans out really it's already a race with not the best reputation before it's even started, which I personally, I think is, I have mixed feelings on that, but yeah. all of this kind of stuff is certainly not helping that reputation. No. Yeah. But let's not get too far into that because I don't fancy getting assassinated. Next. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Another bit of news is that having talked about this, Andretti takeover of Sauber for what seems like weeks, if not months now, kind of looks like it's completely off the table now. The There were sources that said Andretti had made a, an offer to acquire 80% of Sauber. It's obviously controlling interest, but when I came to sit down to hash out the details, I couldn't come to an agreement. So it looks like Sauber is going to remain in the hands of Longbow Finance, which in itself is weird because... When Lungbo Finance took over, it was very much like a we'll come in and take over this failing business to keep it afloat. And now, yeah. many years later, this finance company is still running a Formula One team, which in itself is mm. kind of weird when you think about it. So, like, it, it's a weird one. I don't, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Sauber did end up getting sold on by Lungbo in the coming years for those reasons. And I also don't think this is the end of Andretti trying to get into Formula One, but. It looks like that particular combination just isn't going to happen now. Oh, Which, but at least we still have sober, 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 sober. Yeah, sober, sober. <laughs> it is a shame. Like Andretti would be a good name to have on the grid, but 
you know, there's no point just shoehorning it in for the sake of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I guess it that kind of reopens the um, second seat discussion because that sort of has been on hold while all this is going on. Uh, I think Guan Yu Zhou is probably still the favourite to take that second seat. Uh, Jovanazzi's maybe still in with a shout. Poor Chair's name is being bandied around, but I still think it's just at least a season too soon for Poor Chair. Yeah. If he's yeah. even got the super license points. Um, Who yeah. would you like to see in that seat of those of those then to make this interesting? Who's your favourite name on that on that list to sit alongside Bottas? Probably Joe. Yeah, I think so. Like, I, I really want to see Porsche in F1, but I don't think he's ready. So the the difficulty is you sign, he's going to be ready in a year or two's time. So whoever you sign now is going to have to make way for him if they want him in. But at this yeah. moment in time, I think I think Joe is probably my choice as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think Joe as well. I think... The, whoever whoever ends up with that seat is going to have a, a really good yardstick next to them. They've got someone who's mm-hmm. occasionally beat Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. Um, I think a young driver and, can learn a lot from Bottas. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. An awful lot from Bottas. So um, uh, that's, a, that's a great seat for a young driver now, isn't it? That'll be a really good, yeah. really good catch for whoever ends up with it. Yeah, totally. And you got some Hulkenberg news for us. Nico Chris. Hulkenberg news. Don't don't you love a bit of Nico Hulkenberg news? Love some Nico Who doesn't? Hulkenberg Who news? doesn't? Uh, so he's been doing some IndyCar testing for uh, McLaren SP. They have already said they intend to run a third car in Indy for the 2023 season, and that they're going to run a third car for the Indy 500 and maybe another race or two next year. And that Hulk is high on their list of potential drivers. So. I think that's quite exciting. I think I think Hulkenberg in IndyCar would work would work nicely. And I feel like he yeah. would be very welcomed by the kind of IndyCar fans the as scene. well. Yeah. 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 I, th- I think if Grosjean can go there and kill it the way he has, I think if I'm if you're Roman Grosjean right now and you've got Nico Hulkenberg coming to IndyCar, you're looking mm-hmm. over your shoulder thinking, yeah. oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think so. Yeah, I think he'll kill it. I think he'll do if he if he if it happens. If he ends up with a good seat there, if he ends up. I mean, that is a good seat. So if he mm-hmm. ends up there, then it'll be it'll be really exciting to watch. They might even get themselves a new IndyCar fan in the form of <laughs> me. <laughs> Grosjean wasn't enough, but Hulkenberg will tip you over the edge. Yeah, Hulkenberg will 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 get me through the door. I do think Grosjean's like opened a lot of drivers over his eyes to it like it's kind of similar do you remember when Hulkenberg went and did Le Mans and won it on yeah. his first try and then I think he was the weirdly I remember it was the Canadian Grand Prix next and like all the other F1 drivers were like what was it like that looked really good fun what was that like and yeah. if I remember rightly Bernie swiftly changed the calendar so that there was a race clashing with uh, Le Mans so no one else could go and do the same thing but yeah. it feels like the same thing here it's like now Grosjean's gone over and seems to be having a really good time a lot of sort of drivers over here particularly those who might be coming to the end of their f1 careers are sort of like mm. keeping an eye on indycar as a potential yeah. place to be because this is like a hell of a fun series to race in yeah what's better indycar or formula e as mm. a viewer i prefer to watch formula e but this year this year i watched more indycar than ever and have very much learned to appreciate what makes it 
a good racing series. If I had to sit down and watch a race from one of them, I'd still pick Formula E, but... Yeah. What about you, Tom? Um, I don't know. I like... I think the thing that IndyCar's definitely got going for it is having that like one big jewel in the crown spectacle race of the 500 mm-hmm. in the same way that like F1's got things like Monaco, like, you know, there's certain people out there that don't watch much Formula One, but like Monaco's one of the races that they'll make sure they watch every year or something like that. Or like, depending on where they are in the world, they'll make sure they at least watch their like home, um, home country's race. If, if it has one, that, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And it, I feel like that's like what the Indy 500 has as well is like gives IndyCar, sorry, and Formula E's maybe not got that. So I think if I had to watch like one race from both series, I'd pick the Indy 500 out, like, you know, out of the whole yeah, yeah. whole lot, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a bit like WEC, like and not a lot of people watch World Endurance, but a lot of those people that don't watch World <laughs> Endurance We'll sit down and watch like coverage of Le Mans and yeah, pick up highlights from Le Mans and things like that. Where it, and sort of not have any regard for the fact there's another 10, 12 races in the season. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. But I, I think at the minute, IndyCar just edges it for me. It, it'll all depend on what goes on with what changes in Formula E with like these yeah. teams that are yeah. leaving and stuff going forward. I think the the tough thing for a Formula... You've hit the nail on the head. The tough thing that Formula E have got is that they don't really have a jewel in the crown, do they? They don't... No. No. There's not a particular... I don't think there is one particular Formula E race that you stop everything to see. It's more of a... You watch it as a championship and you see the whole thing happen over the course of a season. Whereas IndyCar and Formula 1 definitely do have that, that one big... Mm-hmm. That, you know that, that killer event that everyone has to see um so yeah i think i'm with you i think i'm if i had to choose is it okay so if i had to choose a random if, if it was just if it was just on if they were both on at the same time and um there was a random formula e race and a random indycar race i'd probably watch formula e because it's it's, it's it's never it never fails to excite it never yeah. fails to deliver really good racing yeah. mm-hmm. but if the indy 500's on and there's a random formula e race on at the same time i'm probably watching the indy yeah, 500 you're always putting the 500 yeah. on yeah so i'm kind of on the fence i've done a chris i'm on the fence <laughs> big time on the fence there but um that's that's where my head's at i, I think the, the other sort of slight factor that comes into it as well when you if you were doing, if I was doing the same thing, is depends on if it's an oval race for the Indy or if it's a street circuit. I'm definitely more inclined to watch the street and circuit races in the Indy car than I am yeah. the ovals. If I, if I was putting the two up against each other, um, because I mean, I I don't not enjoy oval racing. It's just it definitely appeals to me much less than circuit and street racing. Yeah. So I think that if that was what I was putting them up against, yeah, in, when, Indy would win if it was circuit v circuit. Formula E would win if it was circuit v oval, um, except for the Indy five hundred. That's the weird thing. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, like I, I totally agree with you. I'd always put the ovals at the bottom of the list, except for the Indy five hundred, which is top of yeah. the list. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? It's like you'd always put the street circuits at the bottom of the F one calendar, except. Well, I mean, 
maybe not even Monaco anymore, but like Monaco was the one that you'd yeah. kind of pull to the top as a yeah, totally. He's nice watching them go around there. So yeah. And then last little bit of news: uh, Anthony Davidson has announced that he's going to retire from professional racing after the final World Endurance Championship round this season, which is uh, Bahrain this weekend. Um, hell of a career he's had. Never yeah. really had the chance I think he deserved in Formula One. But, um, yeah, amazing career all the same. Shame he never got that Le Mans 24-hour win. He came very close a few times, but never quite panned yeah. out for him. Wasn't he, he in the Toyota the year that it retired, like a couple of laps to the end? Yes. Yes, yes I think he was. The, the yeah, best he was. He, I know the best he's ever finished is second. I know that much. Yeah. And he's, he's, got had s- pull, he's had pulls there before, hasn't he, I think? Yeah, yeah, he's he's had poles. He's had he's They're had second wins. places in LMP one and LMP two. Um, he's won yeah, the. He's never, he's never had a class win, has he? Full stop. Nope, I don't think. No, never done better than second there, in, <sighs> even in class. But uh, won, but they've won the title. Yes, won yeah. the twenty fourteen title. They won like half of the races that season. Just yeah. Le Mans wasn't one of them, unfortunately. Yeah, except <laughs> the one that mattered. <laughs> uh, that is, that, that's a well. Uh, it's a shame he's retiring because he's an awesome driver and he's he's good to watch. Um, mm. I guess we'll see him a lot more of him on on TV coverage. As I say, if there's a silver lining, we'll get more of him on uh, on Sky Sports, which is which is always a good thing because he's he's definitely like one of the best people on. He Sky really Sports, is, yeah, for sure. Like his analysis is always really really good. Yeah, him and Karun Chandok together is like yeah. a dream team for technical analysis and driver yeah. analysis as well. And talking sense, like they just yeah. yeah. They, yeah, and and often they're really that one thing those two are really really good at between them is taking very very complex case scenarios and simplifying them and making them more easy yeah. to understand for just yeah. your, your average Joe in the audience, including me. <laughs> so uh, I'll forever appreciate that. Yeah, and he's also still a simulator driver for Mercedes, so he still has very up-to-date, relevant F1 knowledge, which helps a lot. Yeah. yeah. Will he be continuing those duties, I assume, despite... He, he's not specifically racing. said, but I, I assume he will be. Um, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, he needs a job. Yeah. <laughs> the man needs to... I mean, he's got to put Sky, bread on the table. Sky F1 pays his bills, <laughs> yeah. I bet. He, he phrased it as professional racing, so... yeah. That to me stays still <laughs> so doing some testing here and there. He's still yeah. going to turn mean, up at Le Mans, but he's just going to do it at an amateur level. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you never, even even for us guys as just people who like to go karting or do sim racing or whatever, you never like lose that. Once you've been bitten by that bug, you never ever in for the, you know you yeah. see guys really 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 old dudes driving around in in sports cars and stuff doing classic car racing. Yeah. Um, in all uh, all avenues of motorsport, you see really, really old people. So I'm sure he'll be doing plenty of stuff on track. Except um, Anthony Davidson, really, really old there. <laughs> no, no, like... I'm saying, but when he, I'm, he, the last bit was, I'm sure he will be doing it long into the future when he does eventually become really, really old. Except um, weirdly, uh, Nico Rosberg, who I don't think has raced a single thing since he retired as F1 world champion, which. Hmm. You, you've almost got to respect that in a way. It's like, this is it. I have reached the literal peak of motorsport. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> There's no need for me to race anything ever again. Okay. Shall we move on to some storylines then? Now we've offended Anthony Davidson. Let's talk about Mexico. <laughs> Let's have the we, thank you. <laughs> Let's talk about Mexico. So storyline number one, 
Um, can Mercedes collapsing rear damper keep them in the mix in Mexico with its long straights and high speed sections? Collapsing makes it sound unintentional. Yeah, yeah it does, yeah. doesn't it? But that's kind of like the technical name that people have got for it. So the interesting thing, so that people are starting to get to the bottom of this thing and Mercedes are not the only team doing it. Um, it's essentially a damper that's got multiple spring rates within it or multiple damping rates within it. And the uh, once it reaches a certain point of load, the resistance is lower and it and it moves the body down more, essentially. Mm-hmm. You've probably all seen and heard about it on the news. Red Bull saying Mercedes have got a trick suspension that's sort of tipping their car back. They have and in doing that it sort of lowers the amount of drag and allows them to go faster down the straights and through high speed corners. Um Ferrari and Alpine are also doing it. Then Mercedes are not the only team doing this. And when yeah. you see the footage, you can see there's like a they accelerate out of a corner and then it just drops and then it stays in position for the length of the straight and then just as soon as they're on the brakes it lifts back up and away they go into the corner. Um apparently Alpine have got the better one of the three teams doing it because it's something they've been had in development for a long time. Remember that you'll remember the mass damper mm-hmm. that was oh. how, how could you forget many years ago? <laughs> a very, very clever bit of technology. Um, it's kind of a similar idea to that, but actuated in a different way that makes it apparently legal. Um, but there's footage of all three of Mercedes, Ferrari and Alpine doing it. <clears throat> So yeah, it's, the the first storyline is will that benefit Mercedes down the straights in Mexico? Um, the second storyline is keep an eye on Ferrari and Alpine because both teams using a similar system. Um, and as the Ferrari and McLaren battle rumbles on, and Alpine look to cement fifth place in the championship, things could start to get a little bit spicy. In fact, you might even see Ferraris sort of troubling the front at certain tracks thanks to their refinement of this piece of technology mm-hmm. um storyline number three uh, without because these are all linked so i'll just keep them going yeah um will the altitude in mexico negate the aero advantage that these teams have been enjoying in high speed sections of circuits yeah so it's sort of it's, it's a weird balance isn't it um yeah. yeah the this whole rear damper thing is interesting because it's not new at all. Like, no, this has been around in F1 for years, apparently. I think teams have been utilizing it more this season, more obviously. Um, I do feel like everybody only really paid attention to it when Red Bull started <laughs> trying to explain. Not Red Bull. No, Christian Horner. When Christian Horner, yes, started trying to explain why the Mercedes was so much faster than them in a red line. In, in, in a red line? In a straight mm-hmm. line. Because um, it, it made me laugh over the US Grand Prix weekend. They kept doing features on this. And at the start of every feature, it was Paul DeRest to do most of them. He was always like, so this isn't new. This has been going around for years. But now I'm going to stand here and explain it for the next five minutes. Yeah. Um, they do seem to be like really, I guess they've just realized the importance of it in the way this year's cars work, haven't they? And they're like maximizing what they get from it. Yeah, But I think also it has ramifications for next year as well, because they're all yeah. ground effect cars next year. Yeah. And if you can oh, get totally, the rear end yeah. to dip down and, you know, if you can get the body to move legally, mm-hmm. then, and you can seal 
you know, the underneath of the car more easily down the straights, then, you know, that's going to do you a lot of good. Yeah, that's a really good point. Especially in an age where there's a lot less downforce coming from the top of the car. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out. It'll be interesting to see how effective, you know, how those three teams run this weekend at a circuit that is, you know, the air's a bit thinner, so you're not going to gain much. It's going to be more sliding. It is much more of a chassis track than it is a... uh, Mm-hmm. aero track we've seen that in the past we saw mclaren do really really well back in their really really dark times yeah at mexico yeah. so um back when they had a good chassis and not much else yeah yeah so, in fact they well they said at the time that they had the best chassis on the grid and it, you know you could you could kind of see it like yeah. that, that weekend they did ha- they did yeah. an amazing job it, they just you know mexico's a weird race man like, yeah it is so so different from many many other races on the circuit it's a real outlier so I've, i don't necessarily think red bull are going to have the advantage either that they that they have had at other circuits i've said this last week didn't mm-hmm. I? Like, I i think it's gonna be a lot closer than what people think i have quite yeah. high hopes for ferrari this weekend as well because they've gone well at this track in recent years when they've had a crap car so this year they've actually got a half decent car i think ferrari could be mixing it at the sharp end potentially mm. it's a possibility when aero is less of a factor and the two, the top two teams do have much better aero than yeah. everyone else it should bring yeah. things a bit close together shouldn't it yeah it'll be interesting to see how that affects the front I, you know, I, I really hope that McLaren and Ferrari are in the mix at the front on this, at this yeah. race um, it's, it's, it definitely has potential for that to be the case because when you look at Monza, where no one's got any downforce, both of those teams were, well, particularly Hammy McLaren, won the whole thing. So, yeah, yeah, we could we could see something. I don't think we're going to see a run of the mill performance from all the teams this, no, this week. I think the cat not. is going to be firmly among the pigeons this week, and we're going to see lots of interesting results. Um, but it's the Mexican Grand Prix, so I've got to talk about Sergio Perez. Um, do you think he'll shine at his home race? I hope so. I really hope. I actually think he will. I think I'm, 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 I'm hoping for a really good result for him. Yeah, I, I think he will have a good weekend. It's just whether um, the team will be in on that parade. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, we've got a question about that, haven't we? Later on in the episode, shall we do that question? Wouldn't now? surprise me if we had a question we... about that later in the episode about Perez. Yes, yeah, we could do that now. Actually, if you want, have an early dip. Let's into do the it inbox. now. Let's 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 get that one. We have a talking about it. We have a couple along the same lines, actually. Uh, Bodie Coat says, "Imagine a scenario where Checo is P one and Max is P two in the last ten laps. Do you think Red Bull will have them swap places?" Uh, to gain extra points for Max in the championship, possibly robbing Checo of P1 in his home race. Would Checo even obey these orders? And Ali Walker <laughs> says, if Perez gets pole and leads up to the last few laps, do you think Red Bull would ask him to lay him through? And would he do it? Hmm. Would you do it if you're in Perez's position? And I'd already thought of this scenario before these questions <laughs> come in. And I, I fear this scenario playing out. I really Yeah, I can, I can see it. I mean... The... <sighs> You can't really blame Red Bull for for doing it. Like I don't mm. think it, obviously they'll be deeply unpopular among among Mexico. 
anyone who isn't anyone on the planet who isn't a Max Verstappen fan, which leaves like 10 people. Um, if, if, if it was me driving, I would, I wouldn't do it. I, th- I think Perez, that's not Perez's seat forever. And he's going to, it's probably the one chance he's going to have to win his home race. Maybe he might, he might get a chance next year. You do not throw that chance away. Yeah, not at all. So I, I think whatever the team says, if you're in the lead at the end of that race, then you you go and you win it. Yeah, and I, I'd also gain a huge amount of respect for the team if they just let him win it. Well, they're ahead of the championship. They're ahead of yeah. the championship. That so. being said, I mean, if they did think- that and then Verstappen lost the championship by that amount of points, they'd look really stupid. Yeah. So it's well, it's a very difficult... I think it will genuinely depend on where Lewis and Max are in relation to each other at the time. Like in the wall, probably. Well, <laughs> if, if if there is a scenario like that, though, and say Max is running strong in second behind Perez and Lewis is a bit further down for some reason, then they're more they're definitely more inclined to just leave it as it is. Whereas if Lewis is breathing down the necks, he's they're potentially going to get them to swap, I think, mm. and and use Perez as a buffer. But would they do that? Perez oh, fastest like, lap. Yeah. Even then, though, do you think they'd actually? Do you think they'd be so brazen about it, or do you think they'd come up with some tire problem that they've got uh, to pit? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how transparent it would be. They wouldn't give away any more positions than they needed to, though, because they're still yeah. with a sniff of the constructors. Yeah, there was a real sniff of the constructors. There's not yeah. a big gap in the constructors now. So, um, yeah, that, and that is part of my next storyline, actually, which we'll get into. Um, once again, can Bottas make a difference at the front with a power unit penalty-free weekend? Um, every point matters for both Red Bull and Mercedes at this point in the season as constructors and for their drivers. So Bottas really, really needs to continue his good performances because I think I feel like he had a good race Considering where he started and considering the mm. the sort of difficulties he he that car has necessarily running in in dirty air, I think he did an all right job in in the USA. Um, so yeah, Chris is like shaking his head. He's, he's me, me and like, you have like swapped positions on Bottas. <laughs> no, I, like, I, I mean, I, I was going to say something similar. I'd, I don't think Bottas has really ever had that good of a weekend here. To be brutally honest with you, well, he had the one where he was leading it, and then he uh, was he leading, and then he crashed on the final corner. Mm, he crashed in qualifying. Oh, was that qualifying? Yeah, he crashed, was that qualifying? he crashed in qualifying. He's finished second here. That's about as good as he's finished, as far yeah. as I remember. Yeah, like there's there's been the but years where circumstantial because there's been lots of years where Mercedes have struggled at this track, and it's always been the case that Hamilton's been able to kind of overcome those struggles for an all right result, and Bottas just kind of hasn't. Like, but you know, he's no power unit penalties this weekend in theory. I was going to say, given the second half of his season, I'll believe that when he starts the race. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, Jokes aside, though, like he is on a he has been on a good run of form, um, and he like that Mercedes need him up there. Mercedes need him finishing behind Hamilton in much the same way that Red Bull need Perez finishing behind or ahead of. Verstappen. You know, you want to know an interesting uh, thing for Perez? He's only ever beat one teammate in Mexico, and that was Lance Stroll last year. Really? Yep. 
He's never Ooh. beat any of his other teammates. Maybe, maybe the local pressure gets to him a bit. Mm. I mean, in, to be, in fairness, in one of those that I'm quoting, he did retire and his teammate did not. Yeah. Because uh, he had a break. You remember a few years ago when he was at Racing Point? Oh, yeah. He had a break issue. I do remember when he that. Was, when Ocon was his teammate, I think it was that. And wasn't he on for a really good result as well? I think he was probably like in the points. Yeah. Yeah, Basically, yeah. In, the, in the time that we've been back at Mexico, he lost twice to Hulkenberg, twice to Ocon, I think it was, or maybe it was three to Hulkenberg. And then, um, I'm just trying to remember how they all overlap, but then the only one that he's beat is Stroll, the last time we were here in 2019. Mm. Interesting. So. You got a little tidbit for your predictions. Yeah, good, good. That leads us nicely into predictions, actually, doesn't it? Shall we? Uh, do you want to take take the reins, Tom? Yeah, why not? Uh, so, as many of you regulars will know, we're we're here to predict five key points for the race. Um, if you've never taken part, it's still worth doing because there's, there's prizes for uh, perfect weekends where you get five out of five. So we're gonna go through fastest in Q three, a winner, a first DNF finishers, a number of finishers, sorry, and position of a random driver that we'll get to in a moment uh, if you're interested in joining head to back in the meantime we will go through hours so uh chris Oof. who do you think will be fastest in q3 i'm gonna go hamilton Ooh. i think in much the same way that mercedes were not the dominant force in America that everyone expected. I don't think Red Bull are going to be the dominant force in Mexico that everyone expects because that's just what this season has been like. Mm. Q, Stu, same for Stappen for Paul. It occurred to me to say <laughs> that. I'm not going to lie, but I'm, I mean, I've been alluding to it for three weeks now. I think I feel the same way. I, I don't think... I think given the way Christian Horner has been going on about the Mercedes and how tight things are, and he's been downplaying his own team so much, they don't normally do that But Red Bull. Normally, he, he... Well, I mean, they do downplay their own team a lot, but... But everyone does he's that. He's been quite... Yeah, everyone does that. He's, he's been very focused on criticising... Well, basically trying to make out Mercedes are doing something they shouldn't. And yeah. when, when Christian Horner's doing that, it's because he's feeling threatened. He's either feeling threatened by the team mm -hmm. or he's trying to divert attention away from something they're doing with their car. Yeah. Yeah, so it could go it could go either way, realistically. It could be they have something up their sleeve they're trying to divert attention away from. <laughs> or it could just be, like you say, that they're um trying to mask an underperformance. Yeah. I so I think Hamilton. I do think Hamilton yeah. after all that. <laughs> what do you think, Tom? I'm sticking with my vibe that I had early in the season where, I, well, earlier in the season where I thought this was going to be a Verstappen track. Um, so I'm going to save Verstappen fastest in Q3. Um, but to add a little bit of a spicy twist, I am going to say Perez for the win. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out there and say it. I, I just get a feeling that he either, Stu jokingly mentioned it earlier about like, hmm. They're going to be in the wall, like something happening where Verstappen and Hamilton get a little tied up with each other, or just that scenario that I was saying playing out before. Maybe Perez having a strong race and um, them not feeling too pressured to to make the switch because of something else that's happening, or or just out of respect for <laughs> for Perez, just letting him win his own race. Um, 
but yeah, that, I'm, I'm going that. So I'm going oh, there. for the win. I'm, yeah. I'm <clears throat> sort of glad you've said that because I feel slightly less like an insane outlier because I was also thinking of St. Perez this week. Oh, oh, um, <laughs> again, be, be that a Hamilton Verstappen tangle. I think Verstappen is also maybe just due a bit of bad luck or due a, a difficult race. Um, mm. Or it could just be the case that uh, Hamilton is running second on the road between the Red Bulls and they are not able to swap places. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. They're not going to they're not going to let Hamilton have first so that, that Verstappen can have second. Exactly, yeah. They're not going to do that. See, so, yeah, I'm so. keeping the faith. Perez. <laughs> okay. Um, and Stu? I think it's rare for Hamilton to qualify on It's different this year, but it's rare for Hamilton to qualify on pole and then not win a race. So I, I, there's, there's a choice here. I can either hedge my bets and <laughs> say Verstappen. It's going to be, for me, it's going to be either Hamilton or Verstappen. Um, I can either stick with my guns and say Hamilton will win it, or I can say Verstappen will get a lightning start as he has been leading to turn one and then run away for the rest of the race. So I think I will hedge my bets. I think I'm going to go Verstappen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Verstappen it is. So we've all got a Red Bull win there, interestingly, in some degree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we talked down Red Bull's chances and all picked Red Bull. And we've all, we've all got somebody from not somebody that winning that's not on pole yeah that so. is true yeah but that's happened a lot this season hmm. yeah I was going to try and quickly check how often it's happened here but I can't be bothered uh, <laughs> first <laughs> DNF Stu I mean mine's obvious I say Raikkonen every week until it happens until it already retires whichever comes first so uh, Raikkonen for me Stu what about you uh, I am going to say what sort of circuit is it it's a chassis circuit so there's going to be some slippery cars out there on the road. Um, feels like a Lance Stroll week to me. Hmm. Nice. What about you, Chris? I'm thinking it's more of a an engine issue type thing. Um, no, the heating engine. So I'm just Towards looking at the end who's. Of the season. Yeah, I'm just looking at who's munching through their engine parts, other than Bottas, obviously. I'm gonna maybe go. I'm gonna go for Gasly. I think. Mm. Feel sad about that one. I do. Boo boo. Poor boo boo. I just yeah, learned. I just learned a new thing, um, as well as all of the engine components um, that we all know. There's like two or three that they can take that penalty. There's also a maximum of eight exhaust systems per season, and they get a penalty for using more than eight exhaust systems. I didn't huh. know that was on the list. That is brand new information. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah. Not us. Number of finishes then? Shall we? Yeah, I'm going to move us on after that nice tidbit. Uh, number of finishes. Uh, Chris, you can go first on this one. It's, this is like so hard to call this year, isn't it? Yeah, this one's been a bit tricky, I think. Like it's the easy. last few races, when I've gone high, it's been low. When I've gone low, it's been high. So I'm going to go for Old Faithful 17 this week. Ah. Oh. Huh. Sounds like Stu wanted to do that. I did. I'm going to have to go 18 now. <laughs> okay. And I'm going to keep that like trilogy of results going where I'm going to say 16. So we've got a nice. 16? Nice pattern. Yeah. 
Ye of little faith. We've not had many 16s. I know, but stuff stuff is going down. Stuff's going to happen. Stuff happens. We are, we, to be fair, we are late in a long season. There's a lot of tired engine parts. Just like We could... It's not outside of the realm's possibility. Yeah, but I mean, then, come on. This engine form has been around for a long time. They've got really good at eking out the performance on those parts. And yet, and Bottas is still on his 17th power unit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The constant... Like, I mean... If you, all I'm thinking of is I look back at previous, previous years here, and we've had a number of years where things have overheated for people, and we've got like 15, 16 finishes. So yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Uh, and then the last one is a random driver. So Chris, could you please draw one out of whatever's left? It's here. Not many left now. Uh, this week is Charles Leclerc. Ooh, interesting. Charles Leglug. Charles Lescare, as he was changed to in the standing. Well, recently. we were talking about the the Ferraris mixing it at the front earlier. So mm-hmm. who's gonna I'm I'm gonna be fairly bold on this one. I don't think it's gonna be as far as a podium, but I think it's gonna be right up there, and I'm going to say fourth. Bold. Man. That's what oh, I was man. thinking. You should have been quicker. Should have been quicker, man. If you're quicker, you could have joined me. Well, I mean, you can still copy or whatever. Do I'm going to go same. fifth. I'm saying fifth. I'm going to stick with my gut and say fourth. I think they're going to be right up there. Yeah. I don't think they'll be able to beat the Mercedes or the Red Bulls, either of them. That does imply them beating one of them, doesn't it? Fourth place. Yeah. I think or they'll one, beat the or McLarens, one of them so. having an issue. Yeah. I do think they'll beat the McLarens. So I think fifth and sixth is the realistic prospect for Sainz and Leclerc. And I think Leclerc will come out on top this weekend he's been picking up lately so yeah yeah i mean fourth works for me and chris on that logic just because we've both got hamilton verstappen having some kind of <laughs> yeah, disagreement that gets a perez win so kind of works um right should we move on to some oh in fact just a reminder everyone you can go to back if you want to join in there you go um yeah should we do some inbox yes yeah only a few this week. Keep it safe now. But stay, but stay up. Box, box, box. Hey, man. What's left of the inbox anyway? Uh, yeah, we moved some first. of it. Yeah, we already we already did some of it. Uh, I'm I'm already talking, so I'll go first. Uh, Sarah asks, will the track be available in time for the Saudi Arabia Grand Prix? Which we've kind of already covered. And yeah. any guessing on what will happen if it's not ready in time? I think if it's not ready on time, it'll just, at this point, it'll just get cancelled. I think they're going to run it to the wire, and if they can't do it, then we'll find out, We'll probably find out in a week or two's time if it is going to go ahead, though, if it's, if it's not going to go ahead. Yeah, so it's, it's, it'll be four weeks, four weeks on Sunday, won't it? Mm. I think... Yeah. I feel like if they're able to make... A, if they're able to like find out definitively it's not going to happen within the next week maybe two then another Bahrain race is a possibility maybe bring back the outer loop but yeah I do think you're right at this sort of notice if it doesn't happen it just won't happen yeah I mean it depends on Bahrain's availability I guess as well doesn't it to be able to host another event it's it's I think it's a fairly busy track actually Bahrain it gets a fair bit of use that circuit gets some hammer but it all, but, all depend on that. Then again, if F1 come knocking, they're probably going to do their best to make room, aren't they? Let's face yeah. it. Yeah. Every every other race that weekend to, well, I mean, to a support race. For yeah. 
for. Is, I mean, look at look at it. Look at sorry. Look at Turkey. They had like caterums going around with like yeah, the, the local car club, and it was a really good race. <laughs> really, like, better than some of the F one racing. <laughs> is there um, a week off between Bahrain and Saudi Arabia? I can't remember. Is that like the one week off in this whole series that we've got? There's a lot more time between Bahrain and Saudi Arabia because Bahrain was in March. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What is it it before? (laughs) So we've got last triple header now. So it's Mexico, then Brazil, then Qatar, then a week off. That's what I was thinking. Then Saudi Arabia and Abu Dhabi back to back to finish the season. Yeah. So do you go Qatar to Bahrain potentially then? It could be done, but... Mm. Yeah. Could be done. Then again, that it's not like Bahrain needs a whole lot of prep time, does it? Like, okay, yeah, they won't be able to sell well, tickets, a, but it, the track's yeah, just there. Like, F one spent yeah. half their lives there these days. Yeah, I, I've just I just looked at the distance, and it's like, <laughs> if you do it as a crow flies, it must be like two hundred kilometers. The only reason <laughs> it's more than that by road is because you have to go back inland along yeah. the coast and then back out. But like mm. as the crow flies, it must be like 150, 200 kilometers easily. That's that is going to make the most sense, I think. If for any reason Saudi doesn't go ahead, but they still yeah. want to race, yeah. But let's hope it does go ahead because I've been making loads of content for it. <laughs> I'm quite happy with the thing I've made. For I mean, change, to be so. fair, you could just use it again in March because the their second race there is only <laughs> yeah. a few months later. That's true. Yeah, it's true. Um, next question from Paul. And um, Paul asks, do you think that every time you see Max with a can of Red Bull, it actually has Red Bull in? <laughs> or do you think they give him a can with other stuff in to promote the brand without him having loads of caffeine? Um, I think it's got rich energy in it. <laughs> <laughs> so Red Bull. So watered down so Red Bull. So basically watered down yeah. Red Bull, yeah. Funnily enough, I was thinking exactly that only last race. Like, it was sort of between sessions chugging a can. Because you, you do see them sometimes with, like, a Red Bull-branded water bottle they're clearly drinking water out of yeah, looking yeah. like a can, but... No, I think when they've got the cans, it's definitely the cans. Um, and, mean, the, it, and their I, personal I mean, trainers are like, no, stop drinking it. It's not good yeah. for you. I, I think the other thing is the like when you think about, <laughs> this is a really petulant joke, but <laughs> when you think about like Max's behavior, sometimes he is just oh. like a little teenager, hops up on caffeine. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Deleted by all the Red Bull fans. Congratulations, me. We've just solved Max Verstappen. <laughs> he drinks too much just Red Bull. Just stop giving him actual Red Bull. They just today. need to stick some caffeine-free cans in the fridge. It'll be fine. Yeah. Oh, It'll be dear. fine. <laughs> Last one, then. Come on. Uh, no, we've got two more. Uh, one oh. from Corey Killer, Zombie Killer. Uh, with the craziness that went on with Alonso and track limits last time out, uh, how do you think track limits are going to be enforced during this weekend? With an I mean, iron fist. Round most of the circuit with a wall. Yeah, like... Because <laughs> there's, there's a wall around the most part. Like, we've had people cut turn one and two in the past, but it's grass. And then again, do you remember a few years ago when I think it was Hamilton and Vettel both just steamed straight over turn one and the stewards were like, yeah, yeah right, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> Nothing yeah. happened. Um... <laughs> I just my, my my feelings on track limits is that the stewarding is going to continue to be consistently inconsistent on it. I I've just got this vision now of Alonso entering the stadium section and just driving straight line in from one end to the other without doing the little twiddly yeah. bit that's inside and just yeah. being like, 
Yeah, mate, I use the escape road. It's fine. Just do a hard there, left there decision is, there and just straight yeah. line the whole thing. There is a potentially serious situation here, though, because as we as we joke about, you know, Alonso being Alonso, um, there's a very very high chance that Hamilton and Verstappen will end up side by side mm-hmm. in um, at some point. At, well, at the start of the race, yeah, on the grid is what I'm saying. Probably, if Verstappen's ahead, whoever's ahead will get the better start. Because the clean side of the the, the rubbered in side of the track will be uh, is is on the left, and that's where pole position is is on the left at this circuit. So Verstappen will or, or Hamilton, whoever's in that position, will get the better start because it's so green on the right hand yeah. side that it just just doesn't get touched. Um, you could have a situation where those two cars going side by side into turn one might end up maybe on top of one another again <laughs> at some point, if one of them doesn't take to the runoff. And you could equally have a situation where one of them takes the runoff and just straight lines it like they have in the past and gets penalised. Um, I guess it all depends on what the driver briefing says. And, and you know, we don't really know at this stage like mm. what what that is because it's too early in the week. So I would say watch this space on that question. Like, yeah. There's a lot can happen in that first corner. I think ultimately what we don't want is track limit stuff ended up playing a major part in yeah. the outcome of this championship. Yeah. Like that would be a real it's kind of I mean they already have. <laughs> they already yeah, have the kind of have. But mm, it's been more contacts though into the the, the yeah, interest it's, issues. It's, 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 it's like non use of track limits, I suppose. Yeah, or, exactly. Or, we don't and, not not taking the option of leaving the track when yeah, it's there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like the opposite of the problem. That yeah, we're yeah, yeah. This is like a perverse track limits inverted situation. Yeah. Uh, final question this week from a chewed up pen cap. Uh, with all the talks surrounding Mazepin being in search of a better seat, uh, what do you think his incredible performances this year warrant, and how many championships will he win as the lead driver at Mercedes? I think someone's been playing a bit too much of the F one game career such- mode. That's yeah. such a good question. I love that. I, thank you, Achuda Pencap. That's <laughs> very good. Because <laughs> on on the career mode on the F1 game where you do multiple seasons and drivers move around, like the amount of people you see online who are like, I've got to my second season and Mazepin has joined Mercedes and I don't understand what's happening to my game. <laughs> also, my game it's broken. broken. My game Co- is broken. Codemaster's response is, no, that's a feature, not a bug. <laughs> also, I've seen yeah. a lot of people have... Um, Norris goes to Mercedes in their second season and just becomes completely unbeatable. Like I've seen people who've done the full 10 year career you can do and Norris moves to Mercedes second season and wins like eight <laughs> titles in a row. Wow. I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's predicting the future. Maybe, maybe it is. Yeah, yeah, there's as, a curveball somewhere that we've not accounted for. And as and a Norris fan of the Mercedes brand and Lando Norris, <laughs> I am all for that. <laughs> Like I'm a big McLaren fan when it comes to racing, but like just Mercedes in general is like sort of my primo like choice. Yeah. So I- I'll take that. I'll take that. Um, on, what on about the, Mazepin? Yeah, on the more serious side of that, <laughs> I, I I would just say to be a driver under contract and already having a contract at your team for next year to be saying things like. I hope I get into better seats in the future is probably not the best thing you should be saying. Yeah. 
I mean, that just proves exactly how and why he has the seat, though, doesn't it? Well, because he can get away with saying things like that because yeah. they're just taking him for his money. Well, not which is that, annoying. I think part of the problem is uh, Nikita Mazepan has read the textbook on things you don't do when you're a Formula One driver, and he's just well, yeah. he's ticking, working, them he's off. ticking all the boxes. He's just like this, this is seen it as an achievement list. <laughs> yeah, page one: don't grope women. Page two: don't uh, don't slag off your team. Page three: don't crash into your teammate, and just. As, as, yeah, he's just working his way through. Yeah, all the, I mean, you know, the list goes on. I hope let's, that's let's not dwell on. I do hope that's not him seeing um, how the strolls are now running things at Aston Martin and being <laughs> like, "Come on, Dad, you're gonna need to buy me a better team here." Oh, because we, we, I don't think we need that. Yeah, we don't need any more cars painted in colours of. National flags. Thank you very much. Nah, it's just just the just the branding. <laughs> Complete coincidence. Yeah. yeah, it's just the branding, mate. Okay, well, it's me hosting, isn't it? So it's my job <laughs> yeah. to to wrap up this shit. Show me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Both do it. Okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, thanks outtakes, thanks yeah. everyone for joining us this week. Um, I will wrap this up now. Um, you can find us on the internet. You can submit your predictions at backofthegrid.com and we're on all the socials. Just search for Back of the Grid and you'll find us. Um, and yeah, um, good luck with your predictions this weekend and we'll catch up with you after the Mexican Grand Prix. So goodbye from me and goodbye from these two. Bye. Bye.